Welcome to From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios. An audio celebration of the films based on Marvel Comics characters released before and during the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough said. Facefront True Believers, this is George Soroy, and welcome to the latest episode of From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios, a month-long plus celebration of all of the Marvel movies that came out during and before the run of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, going from 1986's Howard the Duck all the way to 2019's Dark Phoenix. And I have to say, it's been a real joy revisiting a lot of these movies because so many of them are ones that I had only I had last seen when I was doing the first run of this podcast from Duck Till Dark. That was when I had the idea in the first place to have a theme going for the National Podcast Post Month Challenge. And I wanted to do something really fun. And it was this idea that kind of came to mind. I wanted to celebrate these different movies because I feel that they were worth uh, celebrating. I feel like uh, too many people had dismissed them because the MCU has been so satisfying worldwide. And But at the same time, without these movies, the MCU doesn't happen. Comic book movies themselves don't get their credibility back after movies like Batman and Robin had just completely tarnished it. So it's these movies were the real stepping stone to kind of prove to Marvel that they that these properties really could work. It was just a matter of making sure that the right people are attached to it. And I have to say that revisiting the Fantastic Four movies of the two th- of two thousand five and two thousand seven, the MCU really owes a lot to those movies. Obviously, they owe a lot to the X-Men movies, to the Spider-Man movies, the ones that really you know, showed Marvel could be a very successful on the big screen. But it was, it was really these movies that showed a true dynamic that Marvel Studios have used a lot to this day, especially when it comes to the Avengers movies. You see quite a bit of bickering throughout those movies. Not everyone is always on the same page, but that creates quite a bit of drama and it can be really entertaining. And really in all of the cases with the Avengers, I've always been entertained. I've always enjoyed them and I you know, would, would always recommend them to other people, even if they're not comic book fans, because it really is just a great experience to really lose yourself in the MCU. But when it comes to that team dynamic and you have different team members really just kind of going back and forth at each other, I mean, that's right out of that's right out of the moment in um, the first Avengers where you have Iron Man, Thor and Captain America going after each other while while Loki was kind of like right in the middle of everyone. And there you have in the Fantastic Four movies, you have quite a bit with Johnny Storm and The Thing, Ben Grimm. But at the same time, they also show that they are teammates and they are going to have each other's back. They'll get on each other's cases quite a bit, but at the same time, they do realize that they're on the same side. 
It turns out that I liked these movies a lot more than I thought I did. Originally, I just kind of thought of them as really kind of mediocre movies, like the first Fantastic Four, how it was lost in the shadow of Batman Begins. And then in 2007, how it was just not really trying too hard. But the more I watched them, the more I realized that they had a lot to offer. And I got to give credit to Tim Story, the director, for creating this really good balance of lightness between the characters, but at the same time, making sure that everyone knows these are extreme situations that they're in and they should be taken seriously. So that brings me to the 2007 sequel, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. And I got to say, I first of all, the look of the Silver Surfer is dead-on accurate. It looks awesome. With Doug Jones as a surfer himself and Lawrence Fishburne as the voice, it, it works perfectly. And uh, basically what he is, is what he is in the comics. He is the herald for Galactus. And he basically prepares worlds for Galactus to consume. And... The main difference is, is that in the comics, you see this towering, titanic type of figure that is, you know, humanoid built. He has arms and legs. He's got the this huge, big helmet that he's got and this whole outfit. And he travels the universe and he consumes all these different planets. What they did this time around is they basically made him like this cloud, this entity. And... It just, it, it would envelop a planet and then it would just completely destroy it. And then it would move on to something else. And a lot of people really kind of turned off by that because it wasn't Marvel accurate. It wasn't Marvel Comics accurate. But at the same time, I'm glad that they did that because they looked at it in the same, you know, Basically, they looked at it and said that that would not fly for modern day audiences. So much of the Fantastic Four mythos wouldn't really work with modern day audiences. So a lot of it had to be tweaked. And I totally understood why they did those sort of things. But I commend Tim Story and the writers for maintaining that feeling of fun all the time because they are characters that are seeking fame in order to basically kind of pay the bills, keep themselves out there and everything. So that way, somehow some money can keep flowing in. And that part of it really, that shines through in these two movies. And I really enjoy the celebrity aspect that they've gained in the second based on everything that they went through. So that part of it, I think it worked. I really do think it worked. And these characters, those are the only ones that could really pull it off. So I'm glad that they did that. I'm glad that they got to really kind of revel in the fact that they are, that they're different, that they have these powers, that they're able to use them for good. And it creates a really good atmosphere with everyone. I think everyone really kind of brought their, brought their A game in terms of actors. I feel like uh, they had to give Jessica Alba another moment where she didn't have any clothes on. They hit everything tastefully and but still, they had to do it once again, didn't they? So it, I feel like that part of it felt so obligatory, but I'm glad they took care of it early on and then just moved on. But once again, I really like Julian McMahon as an actor. 
I think that uh, he was definitely the MVP of NipTuck. But I feel like his performance as Victor Von Doom before the accident, I feel like that worked, especially in the first film early on with the back and forth with Reed Richards and some good moments with, where Ben Grimm says he does the talk and I do the walk-in. And he just looks at him and is like, so take a walk, Ben. And creates some really good moments there. But as soon as he becomes Dr. Doom, it loses all gravitas. There's no, there's nothing there, really. And we have quite a bit of Dr. Doom here, especially later on when he steals the Silver Surfer's board. And it just comes off as really, really silly. And that's a shame. There's a lot that I really did enjoy in this one. And I, and I would still give it a recommend. I feel like if I was to rank them, rank the movies for the Fantastic I would love to say that the 1994 one is the closest. It's definitely the closest one to the original Marvel comics. It has that that sort of feel. And kudos to Joseph Culp for bringing the gravitas to Doctor Doom. I just wish that they had a chance to really kind of finish that. So it's hard to really rank that one because it's so unfinished. So I would put that at third at this point. I would put uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer as number two because it's handicapped by bringing back Dr. Doom but not doing anything real, really significant with him and just letting him continue to be the mediocre villain that he is in this. But then the first one, I would give it to the, the 2005 Fantastic Four, but with an asterisk because I would say to check out the extended cut. The extended cut flows a lot better. It allows the story to breathe and... Even though there are a couple of awkward moments where where you have dialogue repeating itself because it's basically like a branched branch version of what was of what was done. So you get the same scene from one location and then try it again at a different one using pretty much the same dialogue. So you just gotta run with that. But other than that, I feel like that edition really, really works. Not so much for the theatrical one. I feel like the theatrical one, I would probably put that below. Rise of the Silver Surfer, because it just rushes through so much that it's no wonder that people didn't really take to it because they didn't allow the audience to really kind of revel in the fact that this is the first family of Marvel getting their shot on the big screen. And you get to feel that with the extended cut, but not as much with that theatrical cut. So that's what I would, that's how I would rank the Fantastic Four movies so far. I know we have one more to go, but, but that's where we, I believe we, where we are right now with Fantastic Four. I feel like they are a, overall, I feel like a Tim Story captured the sense of fun that goes with these characters and displayed a team dynamic that is used today by the by the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I wouldn't say that these movies rank as high as, say, the first Avengers or Civil War or much less Captain America, the Winter Soldier, for me, is like the very, very top of the MCU. But I would say it's comparable to, say, like Age of Ultron or maybe even Ant-Man, that, that sort of the sort of lightness that goes with it. But at the same time, it keeps it somewhat grounded with real 
serious situations. So that's that's where I am with the Fantastic Four, and that's where I am with Rise of the Silver Surfer. I thought it was a solid movie, much better than I remembered, and definitely give it a shot. So, and also just big props to Ewan Grafode for the second time around for really showing his authority as a real leader in this one. He really shines through. And obviously Chris Evans was the big show stealer with everything that he went through. Um, and if you're going to see any segment of it, you got to see the chase through the Lincoln Tunnel that the Silver Surfer and, and the Human Torch go through. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. And so, yeah, I would recommend it. Go ahead and check it out. It's on Disney Plus right now as part of the Marvel Legacy series. And so, yeah, so that's where I believe where we are right now. And the next episode is actually we're making our way into 2008, which was the year that everything changed. We got Iron Man and, and the Incredible Hulk in the same year. And then just a little while later, we got the Dark Knight. But none of those are what we're going to be discussing for uh, tomorrow's edition. We're going to be talking a little bit about someone who is taking his third attempt at getting on the big screen. And it's third time, I believe, is definitely the charm. Uh, so in the meantime, go ahead and check out the Facebook page for the show, facebook.com slash from duck till dark. And until tomorrow, this is George's Roy saying to all of you, ever upward and excelsior. I'll see you tomorrow.